0: Hello, hello, everybody, and I'm so excited to bring to you the series of amazing educators, coaches, and speakers from all over the world who are sharing their expertise and signature speeches in order to make a positive impact in the world. This is a special series bringing you the WYN Conferences Global Speakers of Dubai at CTR Enterprises Network and Friends Podcast. You are going to listen in on all of their amazing uh, conversations of how we can totally change the world for the better so grab a pen grab a pencil grab some paper because these speakers are simply epic i am also co-hosting this event as well so you will hear me make some intros of these amazing individuals and then they will take it over with inspiring you to live your best life so get ready i'll see you there bye And she's affectionately known as the Empowerment Advocate. Dr. Yolanda is a retired Air Force veteran and the co-founder of Bridging the Gap Transitional Age Youth Program. Today she's going to talk about coercive control is domestic violence. Take the floor. It's your time. Welcome. Thank
1: you so much Tina Ramsey for the introduction. Hello everyone. I am Dr. Yolanda Jerry. I am the CEO and founder of YJ Empowerment Solutions as Tina Ramsey mentioned. Today I am going to talk to you about coercive control is domestic violence, how to identify and how to get help. So before I get into everything, I want to go over a few agenda items. Number one, what I'll be talking about is what is coercive control? Number two, we're gonna talk about how people get trapped, how abuses make it difficult for individuals to leave. Number three, lethality risk. What are the signs a relationship could possibly turn fatal? And number four, I will close out with giving you some resources and letting individuals know how to escape and where to find help. A few housekeeping rules, number one, Trigger warning. So if you are someone who um, may be triggered by some of the things that I may be talking about today, uh, feel free to leave the room. I don't want anyone to feel like they have to stay here for the presentation because I know trigger warnings can be um, sometimes a little bit overwhelming. Number two, I am not a counselor and definitely not a lawyer. I'm an advocate and I'm a life coach, a certified life coach. Number three, Avoiding gender language, I try my best to avoid uh, any gender based language, but if it's in a particular area where I'm talking about specifically for women, which this is what the presentation is mostly geared to since mostly women are the ones who are being abused and number four, this this conversation that I'm having. um, if anyone is putting anything in the chat and I happen to recognize the information, do know that there is strict confidentiality between me and you and any information that you convey to me will be kept in confidence. So what is cursive Control? Cursive Control is a pattern of behavior which seeks to take away the victim's liberty or freedom and to strip away their sense of self. Um, What I want you to know is domestic abuse is primarily a crime of liberty in which violence is used by the abuser to maintain control of the victim. Again, I'm going to repeat that word to maintain control of the victim. So there's various types of abusive relationships. Um, As you can see, uh, it can start off as small as it being a situational uh, type couple violence relationship and a lot of times this is where you see the relationship is going good there's not necessarily a whole bunch of stressors Uh, there's not necessarily a lot of red flags Um, and people tend to get along pretty well so sometimes as you will see even in abusive relationships you may not see that right in the beginning Uh, but eventually it'll move into a different direction but ultimately most relationships that you'll see they may have have some type of stress you know, in a relationship, you know, normal behavior, like uh, arguing and those type of things. But those are things that you can kind of work through without it being repetitive behavior. One of the things that you might have to pay attention to is where there is violent resistance. This is where the relationship goes from a, a good relationship, and then you start seeing certain behaviors of violence. You know, the individual gets resistant to violence. Uh, a lot of things that happen between the partner, the partners is you'll see arguments happen, and a person seems to have to feel like they have to put up this defense mechanism to make sure that they're defending themselves. And sometimes that defensive mechanism can turn into retaliation, uh, which leads to again, my last part which is intimate terrorism i know you're probably thinking that's such a strong word terrorism Ooh, because you most of the time when you hear that word you're thinking about war right but it's necessarily it's pretty much the same thing in a relationship it's war against your partner and a lot of times when you find that you're in an abusive relationship course of control where it's present the physical part starts to happen you know you don't just no longer have the emotional and the verbal and the spiritual abuse but now It gets to a point to where the abuse becomes very repetitive physically and it could possibly turn fatal. So, cursive control is the foundation of abusive relationship. And I love this quote by Evan Stark. It says, remember partner abuse is not necessarily, uh, is not primarily about abusers Due to their what their abusers do to their partner, it's primarily about what abusers keep their partners from doing for themselves. So again, it's all about that control mechanism. Now, this is a video uh, that I normally show in my presentations. It's about ten minutes long, but for sake of time, and I know I have a certain time that I need to stay in, I'm just going to explain to you what this video is about. And basically, this video is about two individuals who were in in the United Kingdom and the individual's names was Luke and Ryan Hart. They both grew up in abusive households, but they didn't know it because their father never used physical violence against them or their mother or sister. They didn't realize what danger they were in. The father did, however, use coercive control. He would do things like spend all their money so that they couldn't have any left to do any extracurricular activities. They weren't able to be involved in school activities or be uh, in constant contact with their friends as well. Uh, Their father would yell and abuse them verbally. He would make them feel like they were never good enough for anything. Their father would also create a set of rules in the house that were impossible to live by and obey. For example, he would cook their afternoon snack uh, every day at 4.15 p.m., even though he knew the boys didn't get home from school until 4.30. Every time the boys came home, they were always late. So when they were late, their father would punish them, which was every, almost every day. Uh, their father was very mean. He was very controlling in every aspects of their life. So finally, Ryan and Luke had had enough as adults they left the house and once they began earning their own money they paid to relocate their mother and their sister not because they thought they were in danger but because they couldn't they didn't think that they could live full lives while in the home with him so five days and i'm gonna say this again five days after luke and ryan relocated their mother away from the home their father ran into their mother and sister charlotte in a parking lot at a local recreation center and what did their father do their father shot and killed their mother and their sister and he killed himself too so luke and ryan the police and friends were all perplexed at how this could have happened because he had never used physical violence before. Their father had never used physical violence. It was all verbal, emotional. It was all this behavior that was going on. But what Luke and Ryan realized is that those were signs of abuse all along. It was coercive control. Their father used every tactic of coercive control except the physical part until he realized that he couldn't have a grip on his mother and sister anymore. That's where he decided to resort to what we call the ultimate act of physical violence, which is murder. Now, I'm going to tell you this. When I watched this video, it was very um, it was very sad, but it was also eye opening uh, to hear this uh, this particular interview. Um, I don't I'm not sure if many people know, but of course, in the United States, The laws are a little skewed. This is why I continue to be a voice for people and advocate for victims of domestic violence. But I'm proud to say and let you all know that the United Kingdom has implemented a coercive control law in 2015 to protect victims if coercive control is a repetitive behavior in a a relationship. So again, some countries are moving forward with having more stricter laws in place My only hope is that the US will jump on board. So let's continue. Again, there is the quote again by Evan Stark. Remember partner abuse is not primarily about what abusers do to their partners. It's primarily about what abusers keep their partners from doing themselves. So how do abusers gain power and control? There's all kinds of ways. Number one is romance. We all know that, you know, in a relationship you know there is this love bombing. you know you gain the trust and the confidence of the person you're in a relationship with and you know this is where a person becomes vulnerable and they you know you give them this safe space you know you start confessing secrets you know you don't feel like there's any shame there is no fear there that your partner would ever do anything to you but little do you know if a person is abusive this is one of the tactics they use to keep you so the other thing is love turns abusive. This is where you start seeing the behaviors of the abuser. They'll start saying, showing their jealousy side. Uh, they'll say things like, you know, if you love me, you wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. Or they'll start saying, you know, I'm supposed to be your best friend. I know you have friends, but I'm supposed to be your best friend. So those are just some of the controlling behaviors. Um, they'll start laying down foundation for a set of rules and what do I mean by rules in a relationship abusive relationship they say you need to be home by a certain time or my dinner needs to be cooked at a certain time or you should be here I'm the one that gets to go out why you get to sit home with the children you know uh, again this is all about where the love starts turning abusive controlling behaviors uh, they start being critical of what makes you you so if you're someone who is very confident in yourself they'll start tearing you down with such words as you know if they notice that you've started uh, gaining some weight they'll talk about you've gained too much weight or they'll tell you that you're ugly when you know truthfully you're a very beautiful person but they'll say things to try to um, downplay who you truly are and when you start hearing this stuff all the time you start believing these things you know because whatever your partner tells you is supposed to be the truth correct so a lot of times we try to you know we listen to what our partner is saying to us but is it the truth not necessarily and the last one is dependence where they try to control you by merging your your finances you know whether you have money together or not um and say hey we need to have our money together I know for me when I was in my abusive relationship the finances were controlled where I could, I had to make sure that I was budgeting and watching what I was spending just to make sure that the bills were paid and ends were being met. So, um, again, there's the, the uh, financial abuse, that's what I would call it. Um, and then there's also isolation from fam- friends and family. Again, once that abuse starts isolating you from your friends and family, you have no other person to turn to but your partner. Uh, I've also been in that situation uh, as well where um i've kind of put my family to the side because my my uh my partner at the time thought i was too close to my family i was talking to him too much or i was always trying to go home and i spent enough time with him so again that dependence of having to depend on them and not your family or your friends is a huge one and surveillance that's a big one nowadays especially with technology they want to know where where you're going what you're doing who you with and now it's so easy for an abuser to get into your cell phone or your digital digital devices to see where you have been this is why it's so important to not let people track you so make sure that when you have you know you're doing social media postings and you're going somewhere that's another thing don't post about where you're going all the time especially if you're in an abusive relationship so here's the power and control wheel i won't go all over the whole control wheel i just highlight the areas um but i won't go in depth but if you want to copy this i can make sure that you get you get a copy of it but this is basically uh, the two abusers uh used to gain and keep control where they cover all aspects, the physical, the violence, uh, the uh, physical violence, the sexual violence. And then there's other areas too as well, um, where individuals will use tactics such, such as intimidation uh, against you. Um, use emotional abuse where they try to tap into your emotions again i spoke earlier about isolation that is huge isolating you from your family and your friends minimizing and denying and blaming you for everything and them not taking accountability for their own actions and uh, the situation Um, they also use the children as a crutch uh, where they'll they'll try to say i'm going to take you to court Um, you're not gonna you're a bad mother a bad parent and you won't have control over the children I will make sure that you know try to make you look like the bad parent um or even turn the children against you you know start embedding negative beha- thoughts and things into the child's head let them know that uh, you're not a good parent but and then there's also economic abuse and then there's male privilege too as well tools to maintain power and, cor- and control so there is coercion and threats Again, um, intimidation, emotional abuse, and also isolation, which I covered in the previous uh, slide. There's also minimizing, denying, blaming, again, using the children, economic abuse, and male privilege. I just want to make sure that you were able to see that a little bigger here. Abusers don't use violence because they have lost control of themselves. I'm gonna say that again, abusers don't use violence because they have lost control of their themselves. They use violence when they've lost control of their partner. You know, sometimes people think that the abuser has lost control. No, they lose control when they have lost the ability to be able to control what you're doing, where you're going, how you're doing it, or anything like that. Number two, trapped in abuse abusers make it difficult to leave this is the cycle of abuse that happens it's like a repetitive cycle you'll see it happen over and over again Uh, this is where you're in a calm state things seem healthy you know the victim has hope that the abuser has changed usually that's like in the very beginning but you'll see that in the cycle where it comes back around to that again then you have the tension building abusers increasingly critical and hard to please and the victim feels like they're walking on eggshells and then the incident happens this is where the abuse actually occurs and this abuse can be physical emotional verbal spiritual too as well and then after everything has blown up and the abuser realizes what he has done or she has done. That's where the reconciliation phase comes in, and the abuser try to minimize, or denies the abuse, or blames the victim for everything that happened. But then, to make sure that you don't go anywhere and you don't leave, they'll try to give you gifts. They'll try to buy you. You know, they'll try to give apologies, saying, "I'm sorry. I'll never do it again." They make promises. You know, they plan. They'll tell you that they're going to go get counseling, get help, and you believe this person. And then what happens? you're back to the calm stage again as if nothing never happened. And in an abusive relationship what you'll see is this whole cycle just happens over and over and over again. So why do people end up staying in an abusive relationship? Because romance still plays a role. You know, the victim wants the relationship to work. You know, they reflect on the good times that they have with their partner. Uh, you know, the the good days that has happened, you know, After abuser causes trauma, instead of taking accountability for causing the trauma, the abuser will frame it as a hardship they have overcome as a couple. So, again, once the abuser has brought you back to a place where they feel like they got you, they try to make it seem like it was an our issue, not necessarily a his or her issue. They try to make it seem like we have problems, we have issues, when that's not necessarily the case. You're the victim and they are the abuser. Forced dependence. This is where you end up, where financial abuse leaves the victim without access to money. You know, isolation keeps the victim from family and friends. Children are being used as leverage to keep the victim from leaving. And also, there's constant surveillance that leaves the victim unable to reach out for help. And again, there is the cycle of abuse. We'll get, uh, Slide again. The danger zone. Signs that an abusive relationship could turn fatal. Use of physical violence, threats with a weapon, jealousy, control of victims' daily activities, stalking behaviors, assault in pregnant victims, abuser threatens self-harm, the abuser threatens homicide. These are signs that a relationship could turn fatal. Also, abuse. You know, the abuser could end up abusing drugs and alcohol. Um, the abuser becomes unemployed, uh, threatens to harm the children. The victim has has a child that is not the abuser's biological child, so there could be an issue. And the victim has tried to leave in past years, but hasn't left. But eventually tries to leave, and that might be the last time that they try to leave and might not make it out. And this is a big one here. If I can't have you, no one can. You'll hear that quite often in abusive relationship. Strangulation, pressure on the neck by any means increases the homicide by 700%. There's also gun ownership. If there is a gun in the home, the homicide risk increases by 500%. So how do you break the cycle? How to escape and where to find help? Leaving abuse is not a process leaving abuse is a process i'm sorry not an event so again it, it is a slow extraction a tedious unstitching so again if you're trying to leave an abusive relationship it's not like i get up and go you really have to plan that out first steps to finding freedom freedom is fighting against isolation make sure there's a safety plan in place safety planning means having an actual plan not just getting up and going Connect them with victim services uh, agencies. They are locally where you are or even online. And most victim service agencies provide services at no charge. You have emergency shelters. Uh, There's also counseling for adults and children, housing and relocation assistance, uh, victim advocacy in criminal and civil court. So there's legal aid there too as well that can assist you. uh, Lawyers for divorce and custody for both of those um also they'll help you with your safety planning so if you're trying to get out an abusive relationship it's always always best to plan ahead that way you know when you're gone you're gone also there's victim compensation assistance there's also address confidentiality I know here in the state of Mississippi at the Attorney General's office you'll have an address a physical address but nobody will know where that address except for the attorney general's office and you'll have an address where your mail will be sent to if you need mail sent to you it'll go to a different address and then be forwarded to you there's also therapeutic preschool there's education services volunteer programs that you can be a part of and there's agents the agencies serve survivors of domestic violence sexual assault human trafficking and survivors of homicide and as far as resources, this is a list of resources that not only I utilize quite often, but other advocates as well. You have the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The number is 1-800-799-7233, and the website is www.ndvh.org. Then you also have the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the National Dating Abuse Hotline, National Sexual Assault Hotline, and also Human Trafficking Resource Center as well. All this information is here on the screen with phone numbers and websites that you can actually go to and check out all of the resources and information they have to offer and provide. And my core values that I live by uh, and especially with the advocacy work that I do is, again, I have strict confidentiality with the individuals that I coach along their healing journey and help them to Uh, safety plan and get out of their abusive relationship. Also, I encourage self-determination. It's all about them gaining their confidence, gaining, you know, them sense of self back. It's not me putting my ideas on the actual victim. It's just helping them and letting them come up with their own actual plan. And then providing additional resources if need be. And also it's a judgment-free zone. I don't judge victims because I was once a victim and now a survivor. And I'm using my voice and my platform to ensure that domestic violence is not downplayed and make sure that people know domestic violence is real. And coercive control shows that it can turn fatal. This is my contact information. Thank you so much for listening to my presentation. If you would like to reach out to me about anything that has to do with domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, youth who have been bullied and also mm-hmm. human trafficking, you can reach me here. My phone number, all my social media handles, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is YGM Empowers. My email is Yolanda at yjmpowers.com. And also my website is www. I am yolanda jerry.com. It's a blend, a pleasure speaking with you all today and thank you.
2: Well, Yolanda, uh, I'm very grateful you took the time out of your busy schedule to address our global group. Uh, your power and control is very defective. So ladies, let's all appreciate Yolanda for her wonderful speech. The host of the coSU control is domestic violence. And Yolanda, we have a question from our audience. Um, Okay. Do we have crisis response policies and processes in workplaces for issues such as violence, threats of violence, or emotional breakdowns?
1: Okay, can you repeat that question for me again? I didn't hear you.
2: Okay. Do we have crisis response policies and processes in workplaces for issues such as violence, threats of violence, or emotional breakdowns?
1: So it depends on the actual country you're in and also the different states because everybody goes by a different set of rules and set of laws. Uh, Just as I mentioned in my presentation, United Kingdom has implemented a law where it's a crime now for people to uh, have repetitive behavior or coercive control where they're held accountable. Um, Here in the United States, there are some rules. We still have a long way to go. There are laws in place, but at the same time, Uh, We still have a long way to go when it comes to implementing it to where the people are really held accountable, even if they get jail time for killing someone. Uh, It's it's a long road and it's a long process. But again, in different countries and um, in the U.S. and different states, there are different laws, but there are laws in place. It's just taking uh, time to get in touch with someone to find out what those rules and laws are. But if anybody needs any help trying to find the information, feel free to reach out to me.
2: Okay, very well answered, Yolanda. Your intent is very well conveyed to all of our audience. Here, you know, the next question from our audience. How important is organizations to work on in prevent physical, relational or emotional harassment, bullying or aggression?
1: I think that is very important for organizations and business to start uh, implementing programs and processes in place to where people are aware. Because a lot of times when you think about domestic violence, people only think of the physical aspect of domestic violence, but it does definitely involve a lot more the emotional, the spiritual, the financial, uh, the sexual, you know, all those different avenues. And I don't think people realize those are all a part of domestic abuse. It doesn't necessarily have to turn physical. When it turns physical, it could possibly. You know turn fatal as well so it's 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 important for organizations and businesses to start talking about this more uh to make sure that people know that there are services and resources out there also if they are dealing with that at that at, at that time
0: thank you so much dr yolanda for coming in and sharing your information um like myself and i'm sure other people um as well we never think about the non-physical uh domestic abuse and so being that you have gave us points or red flags that we can look for it'll help us as women be more efficient in understanding wait a minute this is not right and so thank you for sharing that information and thank you for making your platform a safe haven for women to get help and making it so that they can feel safe sharing their information with you. So make sure to contact Dr. Yolanda if you are a person or someone that you love need help. There are resources available and processes that can help you um, have a healthy, safe transition. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you are most, most welcome. So This is not it. We have another amazing speaker and her name is Diane Morgan. And so what I want all of you all to do is to hop on out of Dr. Yolanda Jerry's room and go on over and join the session with Diane Morgan. And I am going to give you a quick intro about this amazing woman inside the room. So I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of CTR Enterprises Network and Friends Podcast, the place to be, to be connected and learn and grow. Yes, being connected with so many amazing people who are sharing their expertise that are making a positive impact in the world. I am the hostess with the most coach Tina Ramsey, your certified VCM coach, helping today's entrepreneur maximize their visibility connections and monetization where Online. And how can you connect with me? By going to CoachTinaRamsay.com. That is CoachTinaRamsay.com. That's R A M S A Y. And connect with my services today. But also make sure that you connect with each and every speaker that you hear in this amazing W Y N conference series because they came here to help you. And sometimes you just need a little bit more help. So make sure that you connect with these amazing uh, global. Speakers today. And also check out our uh, plethora of amazing podcasters from all over the world where on CTRMediaNetwork.com. Yes, that is CTRMediaNetwork.com. Again, I am Coach Tina Ramsey and I am ecstatic that you are listening in. Make sure to like, like follow, and subscribe. Bye you <laughs>